Jesus really wants to be known. He, he doesn't want to be mysterious. There is some mystery to the Christian faith, and we're not wise to try to take all of that out. But at the same time, Jesus wants us to know, this is who I am, and this is what I offer, and this is really, when you think about my faith in Jesus, this is what I'm thinking of. And what we're gonna discover in John is so grateful that Jesus did that because it's possible, the people that we're gonna look at today had this, it's possible to have a wrong view of Jesus. It's possible to see Jesus as just a, a wise teacher. It's possible to see Jesus as just a miracle worker or somebody that had some really good advice. It's possible, but Jesus in his kindness has said, no, this is who I am. Am and here's what you should do with that information. And here's why it's important, and here's why we're gonna spend the next seven weeks or so working on it, that if I have the wrong view of Jesus, my faith is gonna be built on the wrong thing. And my goal for you as your pastor is that your faith would grow, and your faith would be resilient, and that your faith would be able to stand the test of time, and stand the test of challenges, and stand the test of whatever the world might throw at you, but if you don't have and if I don't have a proper and right view of Jesus, my faith could be built on the wrong thing. And Jesus doesn't want that for you. And so Jesus, again, gives us seven things. And today we're going to look at the first one where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you have a Bible and if you have a printed Bible or if you have it on your phone, perhaps, we're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter six, if you wanna follow along, if you don't have one or don't wanna follow along on your phone or whatever, it's no problem, the words are gonna be right up here on the screen. The little backstory for this, you've heard part of the story, even if you're not a church person, you didn't grow up in church, you're not sure about the whole church thing, you've heard part of this story because the backstory to Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, is that he had just fed the 5,000. Some of you remember the Sunday school story where Jesus gathers the people, there's not enough food, a few fish, a few loaves, Jesus feeds these 5,000 people, and right after that, you can read it for yourself later if you want, Jesus and his disciples travel, and some people follow him. They'd gotten this bread, they'd gotten this free meal from Jesus, and they liked that. They said, man, if this guy is gonna give us some free food, I'm in. And you and I would do the same thing, right? If there was just a person that could make cupcakes appear magically out of thin air, uh, me and him are gonna spend some time together because your boy loves a cupcake. And so Jesus gets all of these people following him and then he kind of drills down on this idea of you're following me for the wrong reasons. And so we're gonna look, we're gonna start in verse number 26 and we're going to discover some things that the problem that we, that we face is that we can go through life looking for things to fill us up. And we say, man, I, I, this is what I'm really missing. This is what my life is lacking. And we get that thing for a little bit, and you've lived long enough, most of you, to experience this. Is it for a little while, that's exactly right. That's satisfied. That relationship or the new job or I got the raise or we went on the vacation, that is exactly what I needed. But then a week goes by or a year goes by or the marriage starts to get a little bit stale or the kids move out or you didn't get the job or the business fails and all of a sudden that, that hunger, that emptiness is, well, it's back. We ask, well, it, it must be, I, I must need something newer or better or bigger or faster or wh younger, whatever it is. 
And we find ourselves constantly in that church. And what Jesus is going to warn us about today is that if you do not accept this bread of life that Jesus offers, you will spend, I will spend my life on this constant search of I've got to have more, I've got to have bigger, I've got to have better, and it will never satisfy. And you've, you've experienced this. Jesus uses this illustration. Remember at Thanksgiving or at Christmas or at a, a really special dinner or something that you have went to that you just went all out? Or you ordered everything, or you took all the sides, and you had two plates worth of food. Remember those great days? And at the end of that meal, in your mind, you were so full. And you just thought, I will never be able to eat again. I mean, they're going to have to roll me out of the kitchen. I'm just so full. And you believed that. And then a couple hours later, some pie gets brought to the house. And you think, I have room for some pie. I mean, who doesn't have room for some pie and some, some ice cream? And it's constant. No matter how full we get, eventually it's the, way, it's the only way you stay alive. I need more food. And that's what Jesus is going to kind of illustrate to us today. That no matter what we get in life, if it's just momentary and passing, we'll always be on the search for more. And so in John chapter 6, we're going to learn some things today, about five or six things, and hopefully it'll challenge us, and maybe it will even convict us a little bit. Hopefully it will encourage us, and my goal, again, is for that we'll all just grow together. That's my goal, is, as your friend and as your pastor. I want you to, to grow big in your faith. I want your faith to not be based on how good of a sermon did Kyle preach, any of that. I want your faith to be based on this is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus has done, and this is what I can count on Jesus for. So the first thing that you might want to remember is that you can come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. Like, why are you here today? You ever thought about that? Like, what, what brought you here? For, for some of us, it's just tradition. It's just what we do on Sundays. I just Sundays is church. For some of us, let's be honest, we've all been there at some point or another. We need something from God, and so we think, I better go to church because I need God to kind of come through for me. And so maybe it's one of those, if I scratch his back, he'll scratch my back type of thing. And for some of us, it's, man, I just really want to connect with God. But it is possible that we're going to see in a moment. And we've all been guilty of it. That we can come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. Verse number 26 is where we're going to start. Jesus answered very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You're, you're looking for another free meal. You're looking for Jesus to do something for you. And it's so easy for us to get caught into the trap of that. That Jesus is just the person that gives me the things that I need. And I think about Jesus when there is an area of lack in my life, or if I need a miracle, or if I need healing, or if I need some provision. And you can hear it in your prayers. I hear it in my prayers when it's all about, I need, will you help me? Can you fix this? Will you do this? And Jesus invites that. I mean, he created the loaves. He created the fish. He did feed the 5,000. He filled that momentary need, but Jesus realized that the, the reason that they kept following me wasn't because they wanted me. They wanted what I could give them. They wanted the gifts. They wanted the nice, fun, free lunches. And us modern-day Christians, we can be the same way. I come to Jesus not because I want to connect with Jesus, but just because I need something from 
Jesus. I need an answer to a prayer. I need him to come through for me. But the greatest gift that Jesus has ever given is himself. And no, no matter what miracle you get and no matter what prayer gets answered, the greatest thing Jesus has ever done, the reason that we're invited to gather in a group like this and to sing songs and to worship is not so that Jesus will look at me, put a sticker on the sticker chart, and maybe he'll answer the prayer because I've been a good boy or a good girl. The reason I come is that Jesus has accomplished something that nobody else could have accomplished. Jesus did something that nobody else could have done when he solved the problem of my sin. That's why I come. And that's why I'm invited to, to worship. Not because this week Jesus came through for me, but because 2,000 years ago on Calvary there was a cross and he came through for me and it lasts for eternity. And so it's possible that I can get sucked into the, the Christianity is just about what can Jesus do for me and what have you done for me lately. And here's how we can know again if this is something we've gotten caught into. Number one, we listen to our prayers. What, what type of, are, are my prayers all about me or is the prayer your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven? And then here's another test. How do we react when God doesn't do what we want him to do? What's my reaction when I've prayed and I really needed and I really wanted and I really believed and God says no? Do I shake my fist at God? Am I angry at God? Here's what that tells me about me is that my view of Jesus is he's just a someone to give me the stuff that I need, and if he doesn't give me the stuff that I need, then what's the point? But Jesus points us to, I want you to come for me. I want you to connect, not with the things that I give, but just, I am the one that solved the problem of our sin. Here's the second thing that John chapter six reminds of us, that Jesus commands us, and this is wonderful, he commands us not to do, but to trust. And we can get so, again, especially depending on what type of religious tradition you may or may not have grown up in. Some of the religious tradition sounds like do more, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And the more that I do, the more that God will do. And the more that I give, the more that God will give. And if I'll just mind my P's and Q's and dot all the I's and cross all the T's, then God will give to me. But that's not what Jesus said. Because the guy said, okay, Jesus, maybe we've come to you for the wrong reasons. And then they asked, well, what, what do we need to do to, to have the work of God? You can follow along in verse number 27. He says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's talking about himself, will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. And then he asked the question that maybe you and I have asked. What do we need to do, there's the action, there's the verb, the works that God requires? Okay, God, what's the equation? What's the one plus one equals you'll do the stuff that I need for you to do? What, what hoops do I need to jump through and things do I need to do for you? And Jesus answered, it's such a kind verse. The work of God is this. You wanna know what you have to do? You know what work is? Is to believe to trust in the one that he sent. Again, once we realize that maybe I've come to Jesus for the things that he gives me, my initial reaction could be, man, I need to work hard to get back to him. But we can actually keep ourselves from Jesus by working to try to get to Jesus. 
that we can actually keep ourselves in an arm's distance because we say, I'm not good enough yet to come to him. I haven't gotten all my habits cleaned up yet. I haven't fixed all my problems. And so let me work on me and let me fix me. And once I do the work, then I'll come to Jesus. And Jesus in his kindness says, no, 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 you've got it backwards. The work of God is I want you to trust I want you to put your faith in me. And yes, there's probably some things that you need to change. James, the brother of Jesus, would later say, faith, trusting, without works, is dead. So there is a, I change, and I grow, and I become different, but that's the secondary, not the primary. The primary is, I'm going to trust my life to Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in him. And then if he points out some things in my life that he wants to change, we'll work on that. But it comes from a place of trust, not a place of work. It comes from a place of I'm going to count on you for what you have for me. And then through your grace and with your patience, I'll, I'll work on it. But I don't want to work first. So here's the third one. Jesus alone. He could, he, here, reviewing. You can come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. We've all been guilty. So grateful that Jesus commands us not to do, but to trust. And then we kind of already talked about it. Jesus alone, Jesus alone satisfies the hungry soul. Jesus alone, verse number 32 says this. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses. So he's, he's, they're, they're talking back and forth. You should read the context for yourself. If you remember in the Exodus story, the Israelites, they left Egypt, and as they were wandering in the wilderness, every day God provided manna. I don't know if you remember the story or not, but every day they would go, they would gather the manna just for that day, eat that for the day, and then they trusted God that the next day the manna would be there. And that's what they're kind of remembering back and forth here. This is Moses, this is what, this is what he's talking. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses that has given you the bread from heaven. So Moses wasn't the creator of the manna, in other words, but it was my father who gave, gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, for, for, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives his life for the world. Talking about the Easter story. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They still didn't get it. You're, you're, you, there's a bread that I will never have to go search for bread again. Man, I, I'm, sign me up for that. And then Jesus declared, here's his I am statement. I am the bread of life. It's not something I do. It's not something that I give. It's, it's who I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Not physically hungry, but your soul. Because that's the struggle that we have, right? There's always food at the grocery store. But what satisfies the soul? What satisfies that aching for I I have all the things that I thought I would want, and yet I still feel empty. What satisfies that I got the job that I wanted, and things are going pretty well, and I've got money in the bank, and yet it just feels like there's something more. That's that soul hunger, and that's what Jesus is saying. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Listen, you, and again, some of us have lived long enough to have tried it, right? We've tried filling our soul with other things, and they're not necessarily bad or sinful. They're just not Jesus, and they're good, and they're wonderful, and praise God for vacations, and new cars, and a, a better job, and a bigger salary. 
I want those for you. But it doesn't fix the soul problem. Pascal Blaise, an ancient mathematician and philosopher, kind of paraphrased, this wasn't his exact quote, but this is how it's kind of been paraphrased, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And some of us have experienced that. Some of us have missed out on what the world says is success and we're still satisfied. Some of us have not gotten and not achieved everything that other people would say that's what the world is, is needing. That's what you should do. That's what satisfies. We don't have that and we're satisfied. Why? It's because Pascal and quoting Jesus essentially is right that that Jesus is the one that when we allow him into the hunger of our soul I don't hunger again I don't thirst again and yeah there might be some things that I want that I don't get but I don't have that aching I don't have that and you see this if, if you haven't seen it in your own life you you certainly see it in celebrities why do celebrities that have all the money in the world and access to anything they could possibly want why are they riddled with anxiety and depression and jump from marriage to marriage, from relationship to relationship? What, what is that? It's a soul problem. They can't satisfy it. And it's Jesus that does. Here's the first other thing that we remember from John chapter 6 is that Jesus will always, always, always welcome the sincere seeker. It's that there is nothing in my life, in your life, in your history, in my history that ever dissuades Jesus from welcoming us. That when we sincerely come to Jesus, not for the gifts that he gives, but for who he is, we are welcomed. We are invited. He goes on and he says this, starting in verse number 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever, what a great word, Whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. And again, that might be totally different than what you grew up hearing or experiencing from your church environment. But Jesus' words, I don't care what the preacher or the priest or the nun or the Sunday school teacher, I don't care what they said. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that, here's the word again, everyone. Now, you're included in that. Yeah, but Kyle, man, what about this? And my past, and I've really made a mess of things. And No. Everyone who looks to the Son and not does but trusts, believes in him, shall have eternal life. It kind of echoes John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that you ever to believe in him, well, man, they're not gonna perish but have everlasting life. John is kind of echoing that. Believes in him shall have eternal life and I'm gonna raise them up on the last day. And so, man, if you're gathered with us this morning, if you're watching online, and if you're unsure where you stand with God, and if you're nervous about what does God think about me, great news, Jesus wants you to come to home. 
He welcomes, he invites, he throws open wide the door for the sincere seeker. We see it, Jesus saying it in the parable of the lost boy or the, the prodigal son, that at the moment the son turned back to his father, dirty and stinky though he may be, the father ran to him because the son just came back home. The same is true for you. Is that the, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that keeps you from Jesus except you. You're the one that keeps you from Jesus. You're the one that keeps you from a relationship. You're the one that keeps you at an arm's length. It's not Jesus. It's not your past. It's just will you go. Two more and then we're going to be done for the day. The reward for eating the bread of life is heaven. The reward for eating the bread of life is not a perfect life today. The reward for eating the, the bread of life is not every prayer that you pray gets answered. So many people, almost every person in the New Testament, ate of the bread of life and had a really horrible life. Ate of the bread of life and Jesus didn't answer their prayers. Ate of the bread of life and still had struggled. And so the modern Christian idea of Come to Jesus and he'll make all your life just wrinkle-free and problem-free is, is not the gospel. But what is the gospel is that whoever comes to the bread of life, that Jesus welcomes and he welcomes everyone. And the reward for that is, is heaven. Here's what it says, verse number 47. Very truly I tell you, the one who, there it is again, believes, not does. You can't earn or work your way there. But the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, talking about the Exodus story again, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, miraculous, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone, there it is again, may eat and not die. Not, not a physical death, but a spiritual death. We're all going to die. What do we do when we die? I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. It's what we celebrate at Easter, which I will give for the life of the world. You see, Jesus has never promised, never once. Read the scriptures front to back. Jesus never once promised to relieve every temporal problem of our life. In fact, choosing to follow Jesus oftentimes adds more temporal problems to our lives. There are things that I would not have to go through if I didn't follow Jesus. There are some problems I could avoid if I didn't follow Jesus. Jesus adds sometimes problems to my life. But the good news is, is that Jesus never promised to relieve temporal problems. He, he has promised to satisfy eternity. Not satisfy all of my needs and wants. Jesus has promised to satisfy our eternity and be with us in our current reality. That's the promise of Jesus. That eternity is secured because we sincerely came and ate of the bread of life. And in my current reality, good, bad, or indifferent, he is with me in it. The promise is not every challenge is solved. The promise is not every prayer is answered the way that I wanted to pray because that's not Jesus' end goal. Jesus' end game is not this life. Jesus' end game is what's after this life. 
And so he provides the miracle of eternity is solved, and sometimes the reality, it's, there's challenges in the moment, but eternity comes. And here's why it's so important, is that if we get all that we want from Jesus in these temporary days that we have on earth, and miss out on the promise of eternity from Jesus, all is lost. Think about, think about it this way for a second. That you remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus was dead, and Jesus miraculously rose him from the dead. Amazing, amazing story. Lazarus died again, and Jesus didn't raise him from the dead again. Jesus solved for a moment a temporal problem that Lazarus had and raised him from the dead, but he had the problem of death again. And so no matter what miracle Jesus does or doesn't provide, it's temporary. Do we pray that Jesus will heal sick bodies? Absolutely, 100%. I prayed with somebody this morning. I'll pray with you today. And I believe that Jesus, in his mercy and in his power, can and does do that when he wills it. And that's a temporary problem solved. It doesn't solve the problem of eternity. And so what Jesus has promised is that eternity is solved forever from the cross. I've got that taken care of. And in this life, sometimes I will solve temporary problems. But if you have all of your temporary problems solved and never have the problem of your eternity solved, all is lost. And so if you have to choose, man, I want Jesus to solve the problem of my eternity, even if he doesn't solve some of my temporary, momentary trials in this life. And so Jesus promised, eat the bread of life, connect to the bread of life. Don't just look for what comes out of his hand, but get connected in relationship to his heart. And heaven awaits. Jesus has promised again to satisfy eternity and be with us in our current reality. And then lastly, as we finish for today, that just proximity to the bread has no value. Just, again, we've talked about this before. I'm so glad that you're here. It, it's a bummer to preach to an empty room. It, it's a really, it's a hassle. But you coming here today has virtually no value if it's just I came to check it off my religious to-do box if it's just, well, this is just what we do on Sundays. Just proximity to the word doesn't add value. It's like being close to a loaf of bread doesn't satisfy your hunger. That seeing the ingredients of a loaf of bread doesn't satisfy your hunger. That, that watching somebody make a loaf of bread doesn't satisfy hunger. The only thing that satisfies the hunger is I eat the bread, that's what, and same with Jesus, that just being here and drinking the coffee and singing the songs, all the things, and we can be so sincere in it, but if we're not eating the bread, if we're not connecting to the bread, there is no value, and you could have done so many other things with your Sunday morning. You could have slept in, you could have gotten some house projects done, because there is no credit for just the gathering. It's when I eat, Jesus said it, this way, very truly I tell you, unless you eat, not just be close to, but unless you eat the flesh, and that's kind of strange language of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, 
You have no life in you. Not, not, again, of course not literally, but figuratively, that, that he satisfies the soul. Whoever drinks my flesh, eats my flesh, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is active in it, remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Not who gets close to me, but who feeds on me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So that's our challenge today. Do we know the Jesus of the scripture? Have you connected to the bread of life? Have you opened yourself up to not just hoping that Jesus will answer temporal problems and solve temporal problems, but have you connected to him relationally? Have you kept yourself at an arm's distance from Jesus? What a great this morning today. Jesus welcomes all who sincerely seek him. Three questions for you to wrestle with as we go and finish today's gathering. Am I guilty of using Jesus for my own purposes? Have you gotten caught in the trap of Jesus is just kind of my, my pocket pal and I pull him out when I need things? I pull him out when life isn't going well. And we've, this guy has been guilty of that. I've been guilty of of using Jesus as my pawn, as if he could ever be manipulated by me, as if he could ever be managed by me. Come on. Uh, Have we been guilty of that? And, And if you're not sure, again, just listen to the way you pray. Listen to the, the words as you pray. And what is it all about? Help me fix this. I need this. Would you solve that? Again, Jesus is, he, he gave them the bread and the fish on purpose. He wanted to satisfy some temporary needs, but that's not the ultimate gift that he's given. And if we reduce Jesus to just a gift giver and a problem solver, we've missed out on the Jesus of the scripture. Second question to wrestle with, am I trying to earn my way to Jesus? Have you gotten caught in the trap of I need to work my way to him? I need to solve my way to him. I need to to really, man, I'm really going to do better. And then once I do better, then I'll get to Jesus because that's how Jesus will welcome me. Are, are, Are you keeping yourself from Jesus? And then lastly, what would it look like for me this week, in the next seven days, to hunger and thirst for righteousness? What would that, what would that look like? What, what practically in your life would you need to stop doing so that you could hunger and thirst for Jesus this week? What in your life this week would you need to start doing so that you could hunger and thirst for righteousness, that who is Jesus? Jesus is our righteousness this week. Questions to, to wrestle with. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are the bread of life that comes from heaven. And so, Lord, we are so very, very grateful that you have given of yourself so that we could be in relationship with you on this earth and be in eternity with you when this life is over. Lord, it's so easy for us to drift into just using you for our own purposes and using you to fix our life. And Lord, if there's any gathered here, maybe watching online that has got caught into that trap, would you help us this week to shift, to to choose to seek you 
not the things that you give. Choose to to connect with you, not the things that you provide for us. We don't want to be like those people that came just for the fish and the loaves and used you as a walking bakery. And we want to connect to the creator of the universe. Lord, help us to not try to earn our way to you, but just accept your grace and your mercy that we are welcomed as sincere seekers. And Lord, this week, we desire collectively and individually to hunger and thirst for righteousness, knowing that you are the one that will ultimately fill. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.